So hello and welcome to the second episode of the Abundant Living Ecuador podcast. Um, we hope to get into some areas of interest for you today, including cost of living, some investment ideas, um, things that people are interested he- in, people are calling us for in terms of properties, growing food, self-sufficiency, permaculture, those kinds of those kinds of things. And we have a lot of, uh, we have some interviews that we've scheduled for the upcoming podcast as well to give you uh, a, a fresh perspective for from expats who have settled in Loja, Vilcabamba, the surrounding areas. So we hope, we hope you'll find that interesting in the future. I am uh, Jesse Bayer, flanked by my partner in crime, Darnell Dunn. And uh, we, uh, we're the co-founders of Abundant Living Ecuador. So welcome to episode number two. I, um, I we're get in a studio today, actually, as uh, well. Yes. So the sound quality would be much better than the last one. Yes. Uh, forgive, forgive the squeaks and lousy quality of episode number one. We have remedied that. We are in a, in a uh, radio recording studio today, which we've rented out for $30 an episode. Uh, I'll jump into the cost of living stuff right right there. I think that's a little cheaper than it would be <laughs> certainly in New York or Boston where where we came from, but Absolutely. Um, I get to uh I get to start today's episode actually with one of Darnell's favorite things, which is I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's a great segue, Jesse. Great segue. <laughs> so, um I was called out on national national no, on, on our podcast, which I think so far eight people have listened to as of today. So, my secret is safe or or our secret is safe, but I was called out by Darnell not knowing when my daughter's what my daughter's age was when I moved to Ecuador vindication i was in fact correct she was five years old so i told you so uh which i don't actually enjoy that much but darnell does so (laughs) for his for his benefit so getting right into it darnell what do you want to start with um let's start with self-sufficiency you know a lot of people have been calling specifically about that from all over the world uh we've had people call from california where southern california where actually right now they've got businesses popping up where Instead of watering your lawn because of all the water bans, you can have someone come over and spray paint your lawn yeah, for where you. Where were they? It was San Diego? Was yeah, it? San Diego. <laughs> spray paint your lawn for you. You even get to pick the color green. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, you, you can see how far things have degraded when, you know, you're spray painting green on your grass, uh, you know, yeah. to have a lawn. <laughs> yeah. So people calling from California, people calling from Sweden, people calling from... Uh, Seattle had somebody call from Seattle earlier this week looking for large pieces of land where they could uh, grow their own food and potentially set up um, have a buy a large enough piece of plot or piece of land excuse me uh, where they can you know subdivide it and sell it to other people um, with with a um, with farmland all set up and uh, and ready to plant um, so that's something that people have been asking us about so I figured we could talk a little bit about land that we found, land prices, some characteristics of land that people can expect to find in this part of the country, uh, and anything else you wanted to cover. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think for a lot of people who are looking at Ecuador, um, at least this part of Ecuador, one of the reasons they're looking is, is to grow food. And, um, you know, I am far from an expert in growing food. We have... We have plans to grow food here, but have yet to venture into that uh, world. 
but just from having traveled around, talked to people, and you know, been here for a long time, it seems to me to be one of the best places in the world to grow food. Um, the size of the food you can grow is is magnificent. Um, the soil is very mineralized. There's water everywhere. The water is of a fantastic quality. Um, so it's really it's really a great place to grow food. And I know a lot of people looking at here are interested in things like permaculture, interested in things like self sufficiency. From a climate food growing perspective, I think you know you're you're really in the right place. Um, you know I think one of the issues that people run into back home and that people are thinking about who are interested in those kinds of things is, you know, is the government going to mess with me in terms of the things I'm trying to do? I, I read stories from the states where, you know, towns and cities and even states are banning, you know, collecting rainwater or they're having, uh, you know, they're, they're making it illegal to live off grid, to not plug into, you know, the city utility systems and so forth. In any rural area here, you don't have any of those issues. Um, so I think that's, that's another important um, point for people who are interested in those kinds of things. Um, in Vilcabamba, which is a town 35, 40 minutes, 45 minutes outside of Loja, there's a large expat community who are really interested in those kinds of things. So if you're looking for resources in terms of permaculture, in terms of growing food, and then of course, Ecuadorians almost all grow food who, who don't live in the city. <laughs> so there's definitely a lot of resources for those kinds of things here and, and a fantastic you know climate, soil, water situation as well. Right. You know, one thing too that uh, that um, makes a lot of sense too is even as good as the soil is, there's some things that don't grow in certain climates. And I think the unique thing about Loja compared to other places in the mountains in Ecuador is the fact that you're close to so many different climates. So if there's something that you can grow in Loja, more more than likely you'll be able to grow it in in Vilcabamba or another climate that's very close to that. So anything within an hour of here, safe to say that you can grow just about any kind of crop you'd like. Yeah, which is which is really cool. I mean, I, I um, at the market that I shop on on Sundays, there's a large indigenous contingent who sells uh, <clears throat> non-sprayed, you know, non-chemical, uh, you know, they don't use pesticides uh, food, and they're largely from Saraguro, which is a town an hour, hour and a half, an hour and a half. I drive fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hour if you're driving, for yeah. sure. A little more than an hour from uh, from Loja, and it's a little higher. Do you? I don't know. I don't know the elevation off the top of my head. Do I don't know it exactly, but it's it's higher than here for yeah. sure. Maybe you know, maybe a thousand feet, fifteen hundred yeah. feet higher. Um, like anyhow, you know, so it's a cooler climate as a result of being higher. You know, they grow things like apples there, um, which is really cool. So you know, I can get I can get my organic apples from an hour and change away. Um, in Saraguro, whereas if, you know, and there's other climates even, clo you know, quite a bit closer actually than Saraguro where you can grow all the tropical stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, to your point, you're within, you're within a pretty short distance from the ability to grow anything. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's anything that you couldn't grow within, you know, an hour and a half of Loja, for example. Yeah, also, um, you know, something that has often come up a little bit to Jesse is uh, people looking before they get set up planting their their fruits and vegetables how um, how do they uh, you know where can they get organic food before they get set up right right um, 
Yeah, and, and, and there's interesting options there um, in this part of Ecuador. It's a little harder on the coast where they do heavily spray, heavily spray things. And I don't want to give the wrong impression. Ecuador is not a not an organic paradise or, or anything like that. Um, but certainly the indigenous largely don't use chemicals. And, there, and many of the foreigners in Ecuador also don't spray their food. So yeah, um, yeah, and, 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 and a permaculture community as, as we touch on. One of the interesting things that, you know, I think last week we were talking about taxi prices. Um, and we were mentioning that most of the city is a is dollar in a taxi ride. Well, that, that went up, uh, it may have even been a day or two before we recorded, I'm not sure, but it, it went up in the last week and a half. The minimum taxi ride is now a dollar twenty-five, and of course, you know, by our by Western standards, that's still extraordinarily cheap. But it brings it brings up an interesting an interesting point uh, as far as inflation. Um, you know, Ecuador is dollarized. Ecuador is on the U.S. dollar, so in certain in a sense, it's tied to the performance of the dollar as far as inflation, and in a sense, it's not. And we can get into that. But we've been here, you know, over two years now. We've seen some significant inflation um, in terms of the costs of everyday things like taxi rides, bus rides, lunch, etc. I mean, I think lunch was on average or, or median price was probably closer to $1.75 or $2 when we got here. Now I'd say median price is, you know, between two fifty and 3 Right. So that's, you know, that's a big percentage increase in, in you know, two plus years. Yeah, not to mention with taxis. After seven, the minimum is one forty now. Okay. I was going to Supermaxi last night to pick up a couple of things and the guy was like, Oh, it's seven o'clock, it's one forty now. I'm like Right. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, which you know, obviously we're not bringing that up to scare you about prices. A dollar forty is a very, <laughs> yeah, very cheap <laughs> yeah, right. very cheap taxi but ride, but it's a big forty percent increase. Yeah, right. You know, twenty five to forty percent increase. You know, the newspaper which it's kind of strange because everybody still reads the newspaper here. Right. And you had the main newspaper in Loja go up uh, recently, I don't know, within the last six months, from 50 cents an issue to 75 cents an right. issue. I mean, that's a 50% pricing. Right. Huge increase. percentage increase, yeah. So, um, and <laughs> it's kind of funny. I think it, it tells you the kind of place we're in where the consumption of a good doesn't drop at all when you raise the price by 50%. The same right. amount of people still buy the paper. Right. No dip in circulation at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, price is very cheap, but certainly there's some inflation um, in Ecuador. And I think part of that is is the tax codes. Um, the you know, the tax ahead. code, I'd say also the fact that, you know, and this is something I think a lot of people don't know. I certainly didn't know it until being, uh, you know, at least a year here that Ecuador is the smallest producing member of OPEC. So, you know, with oil prices being down so much year over year, that's increased, you know, that's decreased significantly the amount of money that the, the government brings into the coffers. And as a result, you know, they're cutting spending and, and um, you know, getting rid of subsidies on certain things. And, you know, that certainly has an impact on the, the amount of money that's in circulation here. Yeah. And that's a great point. And I think part of that is tied to the tax code as well in the sense that, you know, as... Absolutely. As uh, revenues dry up in whatever sense, you know, taxes tend to go up. And unfortunately, um, so, yeah, this government is, 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 is taxed. You know, they have what I would describe as a, you know, an overbearing tax structure. Um, 
you know, are there ways around it? Is it is it so overbearing you can't you know be successful or run a business? No, but um, import taxes, as, as we touched on last week, are extremely high. Um, yeah, and that was actually as a result of falling oil revenue that they that they um, added those tariffs. Yeah. Now I recently, and uh, you know, I, ho- I hope I don't scare people too much, but I recently went to renew the registration on my truck. Uh, the truck was around $36,000 brand new. Um, part, partly the reason, you know, part of the reason it was that cost was a lot of the, the truck is actually made in Ecuador. So theoretically, it doesn't have a huge amount of import taxes built into the price. But many of the parts are made outside of the country. So there's still a good amount of import taxes built into the price. And then there's a 12% value added tax in Ecuador. So anyway, so I paid around $36,000 for a brand new truck two plus years ago. Um, they have a system of registration here and I, I went to go pay it and my bill, the lady told me $3,000 and I, I thought she, you know, I thought she screwed up. I, I asked her, you mean three, 300? She said, no, 3000. I said, well, what do you mean? That's not a normal price for, you know, renewing the registration of a truck. And, you know, 20 minutes later I had the, uh, you know, the table in my hand of, of taxes on, on automobiles. And it, it answered a question for me that I had had, you know, previously as to why all these people I knew who ran businesses, had a lot of money, you know, uh, were successful people in Ecuador, were driving, uh, you know, cars that were just middle of the road cars. And I found out Ecuador has, you know, an, 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 a ridiculous tax on, on cars so you you're actually paying by the year and i hadn't paid in two years so in my two year well that's also kind of funny as well too i mean who back home could not pay their you know excise tax or some other tax or you know drive drive an expired registration registration car an extra year and you know i mean how many times i got pulled over in your car i just said oh you know it's somebody else's car no problem they no let problem. me go <laughs> right yeah <laughs> you got you got pulled over many a couple times, times and, you know maybe slipped a guy a, a 20 or something like that and that was the end of it i did unfortunately have to do that one time as well yeah um so i mean you know three thousand dollars a drive like i you know i didn't have three thousand dollars when they asked me at that time you know it was it was uh it was it was not you know so there are there are things like that and you know, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for the economy. Um, it makes it harder to do business. It makes it harder to live life. Um, and so, you know, those things are here. I don't want anybody running here thinking it's a, you know, a utopian, you know, libertarian type paradise. It, it is definitely not. Um, that because that's what that's what we did. That's kind of what we thought. Yeah, right, right. We were, yeah, we were uh, misguided in our research somewhat when we came here thinking that it was more of a, you know, more of a libertarian culture than it is. And, you know, maybe some of the cultural stuff is that way, but the government currently is not. Um, so, you know, that's something to keep in mind thinking about Ecuador. Now, does that put a damper on the opportunities that are here? No. And in fact, in a certain way, it makes them greater because there's business interests that are potentially scared off by some of the structures of the government. And as a result, you're in a country that has you know, really just a very um, limited amount of capital, uh, you know, for business and investment. So your opportunities for that reason are, are really great here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other thing is that it's just a very small country that people don't know a lot about in general. I mean, did you know the Galapagos Islands were part of Ecuador before you moved here? No, right. I, mean, exactly. I didn't. No. And, you know, there was, when I was leaving work and resigning, people that I spoke to um 
you know, I was telling them I was moving to Ecuador. They didn't know what it was right. or where it was. They were like, oh, is that in Africa somewhere? Or? <laughs> right. Central America. I got a lot of Central America. Yeah. I got a lot of Africa. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right. Different cultures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. So we, I think that gives people a pretty good idea of inflation and, you know, a little bit about self-sufficiency. What else should we touch on today? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, for most people researching Ecuador, they're they're probably looking at a lot of different places uh, within the country. Um, I think, you know, we did the same thing. We traveled uh, the majority of Ecuador. Since then, we've, you know, between the two of us, we've seen just about the entire country. Um, I think it'd be good to touch on regions and, and also, you know, specific cities and towns within Ecuador. Um, you know, as you're, if you're looking at Ecuador, there's kind of three, uh, three or four regions really um, when, when it comes when you know in terms of the characteristics that divide them so you know northern Ecuador is more populated than southern Ecuador northern Ecuador also has a volcano um, so we ruled we ruled out the north as a result of, of the volcano and the population um, but I mean I think both of both you and I really like the north mm-hmm. um, you know I think Quito's an, an interesting you know it's a little cold but it's a nice city um, and there's areas, you know, within a couple of hours of Quito that are also, you know, beautiful areas with, with you know, interesting climates and interesting characteristics. There's amazing, amazing indigenous towns and, you know, huge markets. There's all kinds of interesting stuff in the north. You know, if you're looking for the structural safety, though, of in terms of fault lines and volcanoes and those kinds of things, it's not the place to be. We've, we've, there was a uh, Cotopaxi. There's, yeah, right. there's a volcano Cotopaxi that, that re- uh, recently erupted. To some, you know, small eruption, but recently erupted. Um, but they are talking about it now. Is some scientists are saying the pressure is building up, and there could be another eruption coming fairly soon, yeah. or in the foreseeable future. Yeah, so. and they were. I mean, they were evacuating towns even from the small eruptions, and there was crop failures um, in the area. So we're on the other side of the country for that, partly, right. partly for those reasons. But that's the area. I mean, if we're talking about regions. Certainly, you know, Quito, Ambato, Latacunga is much more like here because those are all places in the Andes mountain range. So, you know, you might have differences in temperature for elevation, but for the most part, they're fairly similar. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you've got the Amazonian region where you get down, you know, in between the eastern half of Peru and in Ecuador where you've got the in the Andes region where you have really, you know, an something that a temperature that you would associate with rainforest i mean it's very you know rains about the same amount year round very lush very green um lots of insects lots of humidity um but the least populated part of the country it makes up about 50 percent of the land area of ecuador but only has about three percent of the population you have a lot of national parks there um very cool place but you know certainly for for somebody who's looking for that and that's not everybody yeah. And then on the other side of the Andes region, you have the Pacific coastline where, you know, you have a lot of big cities. You know, that's really where a lot of foreigners have been going because, you know, most people who are looking to relocate, you know, want to go to a place where they can, you know, be at the beach all the time and, you know, get access to, you know, some of the cheapest coastline that you can find in South America. I mean, I would say it's cheap for a reason, but it's still the beach and still great. I enjoy yeah. going there. Yeah. Um, what cities did you like most about the coast? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great point. You know, the, 
Ecuador has a huge, huge, you know, jungle region, <laughs> a huge Amazonian region. Region. So if you're looking for those for that, um, it's certainly here, and it's here at a at a really good price and with great road access. Um, yeah, you're going to deal with, as you said, a little more humidity, a little more heat, some more bugs, those kinds of things, as I think you would in any, you know, jungle Amazonian kind of kind of region. But it's it's a sweet sweet area. I, I think you know it's. As you said, what fifty percent of the country, three percent of the population. Yeah. So, you know, if you're looking to be remote, also, it's it's right. it's really good for that reason. Yeah, talk about self sufficiency. Right. And because there's so little population in compared to the in compared to the land available, um, you know, those supply demand dynamics are certainly in anybody's favor who's looking to buy there. Yeah, that's a great point. It's cheaper than the rest of the country. Um, yeah, I mean, you can get large fincas for, you know, 100 grand and under there, which you can't anywhere else in the country. Well, uh, excuse me, fincas are just a term they use here for large pieces of land. Um, yeah, in terms of the coast, um, you know, I haven't seen the whole coast. I've seen probably 60, 70% of it. Um, you know, Salinas is a nice town for vacationing. It's, it's considered the, uh, I don't know if it is the nicest beach in Ecuador, but it's certainly considered by a lot of Ecuadorians to be the, the go-to vacation spot. It's about an hour and a half from Guayaquil, uh, the largest city in Ecuador. Um, and, and it's enjoyable. It's probably the closest thing you'll get in Ecuador to a, uh, um, you know, a sort of what you would expect from a beach town internationally. Um, so nice restaurants, nice bars, nice clubs, uh, you know, nice beach, um, you know, Board, they have a yacht board club. Walk. There, they have a yacht club. Yeah, boardwalk. A lot of luxury buildings, um, and it's pretty cheap. So I mean, if you're looking for a decent place to you know be on the beach, lots of people at the beach trying to sell you stuff. Lots of people <laughs> trying to sell you stuff. Although not not aggressively, um, which is interesting. You know that and that kind of feeds into the you know some of the cultural stuff. It's like if you've been to you know a tourist beach, for example, in Jamaica or other places. You know the the sh- the spiel is uh, much more aggressive in those kind of places than it would be here. You might you'd be more likely here to get you know a longing look of like please than you would <laughs> than you would be to get uh, any sort of like ongoing you know uh, attempt to get you to buy verbally. So an interesting <laughs> thing. But Salinas is a nice town. I mean, a lot of people have been to Montanita. Um, also an interesting town. I kind of like alone a little bit better, which is. You know, 10 minutes north or so, 15 minutes north of Montanita. Montanita is kind of a, you know, it's an international town. It's got more of a kind of hippie feel to it. And great mixed drinks. Great mixed drinks. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. We were originally traveling. I don't, you know, I, I you know, I, I don't drink uh, sweet drinks, but gosh, these, these guys were making these mixed drinks on the beach in Montanita. They were, you know, they make them with fruit that's actually fruit you know you order something with pineapple in it the guy's cutting up the pineapple uh you know you just you're just not used to that coming from yeah. the states so and the pineapples good. the native pineapples here are really really good those white pineapples yeah. that are not very acidic right really tasty really sweet but like a natural sweetness as opposed to that kind of artificial sweetness that you kind of get with the yellow pineapple from hawaii um so yeah that was montanita was okay yeah it was okay um, I really like the beaches in Esmeraldas, personally. Um, I know you didn't get a chance to go with me. You were handling some business here, but I got a chance to see um, a lot of Esmeraldas. It's, um, it's on a border with Colombia and also has um, Ecuador's largest oil refinery. 
And so, and is a little bit compared to the rest of Ecuador, the, I would say that the infrastructure is definitely a cut below. And for that, you've got much cheaper land there. Uh, but at the same time, it's the only, the majority of the Ecuadorian coast is fairly arid, fairly, fairly dry. dry. Whereas Esmeraldas has the most, really the only consistent source of fresh water that gets to the, that gets to the land. So um, you've just got, it's much more lush there. Um, the beaches are much nicer, in my opinion. Um, and it's relatively cheaper than the other coastline that you can find, for example, in Manabí, where you have where you have Manta, where you have a lot more industry, where you've got other other places that um, that foreigners are going, like Puerto Lopez, um, just um, cheaper in comparison, and I think just a better quality of beach. Um, but you know, um, the the uh, province of Manabí, which is south of the province of Esmeraldas, just has better infrastructure, and I think. You know, it's you're kind of just picking which one you you would prefer. Yeah, I mean, I remember you describing, um, you know, the northern the northern coast in Ecuador around Esmeraldas as sort of almost being like you're in the jungle and then you're on the beach, right? Um, which is cool uh, if 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 you're you know, so you can be up in green growth and all that kind of stuff and then be on the beach, which is right. you know, it's a great combination. Whereas, yeah, as as you mentioned, a lot of the coast feels like desert. Uh, if you're in Manta, for example, it's there's just no water. There's nothing. Nothing's growing. Right. Um, I like Manta. It's a it's a city I enjoy. But in terms of yeah, it's it's not a place I'd want to settle, and it's not a place for me that, in terms of beachfront, is what I'm looking for because it it is it is so desert like. Right. Yeah. It's, it's you know the beach is, you know certainly I wouldn't discourage anybody who really wants the beach and you know Ecuador is a great country to be I think no matter where you are essentially. But it's not something that you would associate with, you know, top end, high quality beachfront property. It's, no. It kind of reminds me of the beaches back home in, in New England, right. like, you know, going to the beach in, you know, Newport or going to the beach in, yeah. in um, what's that, like Hampton Beach or something like that. Yeah. Just nothing, nothing to write home about. It's right. close. So you go. Right. You know, that being said, you can get a condo on the beach for, you know. 130 grand or 70 grand or you know 180 grand or whatever depending on you know obviously the quality and luxury of the building but right you know so it's it's attractive for that reason but yeah i mean you're not you're not talking about white sand and turquoise water right and then also too i mean if you're talking about the the places that are attracting foreigners on the coast places like you know puerto lopez or alone or or bahia or canoa yeah, or Salinas. I mean, the the land prices there are just you know you can't you can't get a a quality property for that for that price. You know, m- maybe you can buy the land for that, and then you know you got to deal with construction costs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen I've seen condos in Salinas that were very close to the beach, if not on the beach, for you know un- well under two hundred thousand. Really? Um, okay. You know, maybe not in brand new buildings or you know, but but decent. Um, <laughs> But yeah, if you're talking luxury in those places, like real luxury, U.S. style luxury or world, you know, world world style luxury, you know, you're yeah, you're talking world, you know, you're talking prices that are equivalent to what you would pay, you know, anywhere in the in the world, really. So, I mean, I know a guy who's selling a million dollar uh, condo, for example, a penthouse condo in Salinas. You know, it's nice, but you know, it's up for a million dollars. You know. You could get that other places, 
it's not it's not necessarily priced at a discount versus you know some other place you know if you, that condo in the Bahamas may not be much more than that right for example um, and then you have the connectivity issue as well too I mean it's not like Salinas is a you got to drive an hour and a half to the airport you know to an international airport from there you know maybe close to two hours I don't know I haven't been yeah there, about an hour and a half hour and a half if I'm driving <laughs> yeah. so I mean you mentioned earlier fruit. Um, you know, I think uh, we mentioned this in the last episode, but I think, you know, we've been here for a long time at this point. You start to, you know, you start to just grow accustomed and take for, take for granted the things that are here. The fruit here is, it's, it's just, you know, uh, it's just not similar to the fruit that you would get in the States. And I don't, I don't care where you are in the States. You know, I've, I've traveled a good portion of the country. It's just, it's just incredible. And there's, probably you know there's probably 30 varieties of fruit that i've had in ecuador maybe 25 of which i loved that i had never seen before um didn't know the name didn't know what they were didn't know how to eat them you know like people you, know, you have to figure out how to eat them i mean i think uh, i mean i, I mean just, you remember when the first time you had a grenadine right like i didn't know that was a real fruit i just thought it was <laughs> like in a drink or something <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. right and they're delicious and, really, really and there's good. just so many fruits like that. What is that? I forget the name of that very long green fruit with the black seeds and the white uh, meat inside. Oh, you know what? I was just thinking about the this name. when you brought this conversation up. <laughs> yeah. um, so I I'm, forget the name of them, but it's almost like it's like it's like the texture of cotton candy, but right. it kind of tastes like banana. Yeah, and it's um, just delicious. Yeah, I forget what it's called. And, you know, all these fruits. I mean, you can get, you know, the way mostly. You can buy bananas individually here, but if you're buying bananas from anybody who's growing them locally, which is a good percentage of the bananas that you'd find, they're cut um, in such a way that it's kind of like a a uh, a tree or not a tree, like a they're cut off like a branch of the of the banana. So you've got maybe you know twenty, thirty, fifty, seventy bananas growing out of this branch that has been cut off the banana tree and that's how you're purchasing it and you know you're getting that for you know pineapples out of this world um you know any kind of fruit i i buy i like coconut water a lot you know it's a healthy and you know hydrating uh uh fruit and also very expensive back home very expensive i mean i was paying what like seven dollars for uh you know what maybe a quart or something of coconut water in new york back home and yeah i mean you get you get you just buy the coconuts here <laughs> you, right. you just buy the coconuts and they're they're a dollar at at the sunday market well yeah we we had our our uh we were, like like we said we're in a studio here yeah. so our our technician uh was nice enough to give us the name of the fruit guava it's guava. the long green fruit with the with the white meat and the black seeds in it but yeah the fruits here just really stand out to me it's just such a perk i mean you go to the you can go to the markets here and you can get a fresh squeeze i mean you you watch the lady you know squeezing it you get a fresh made juice of you know any imaginable fruit that you can think of and many you can't think of because you had never seen them before and you know the price would be somewhere between 75 cents and like maybe two dollars if you were putting lots of different kinds of fruits in there Um, I often get like a fresh squeezed carrot juice, you know, that's a dollar, a dollar twenty-five, or a dollar fifty at the most, depending on where I 
where I buy it from, you know, that you're talking like, I don't know, 20 or 30 carrots that go into, right. you know, squeeze, you know, making that juice. So those, those right. things are, are really some of the, some of the cool things I think about living here. Yeah. You know, speaking of food, let's talk a little bit about, you know, we touched on it earlier about cost of living. You know, you've, um, you know, you've got a, uh, you've got your daughter that that's with you. You know, how much does it cost for you to, to, you know, for you guys to eat as a family? Uh, in a given week. Yeah, I mean, I don't have an exact number. I think it's somewhere. I, I do all my shopping on Sundays at this open air market they have in Loja. It's a, it's, a, it's an amazing market. I mean, you're talking hundreds and hundreds of vendors. Um, some who buy their food from the coast and bring it, and then a lot who buy their who grow their food locally and just bring it to sell. Um, you know, for a week for a family of three, I'd be somewhere between at the lowest end maybe twenty dollars, at the highest end maybe sixty. <laughs> um, and I buy, you know, that includes 20 to 30 coconuts that I buy for the week at a dollar each. Um, I don't buy a lot of meat. That's a little more expensive. If you're buying seafood, that's also a little more expensive. So, I mean, if, if you're eating meat and seafood every day, you could add a little bit to that, to that number. I mean, it, you know, for example, a chicken here is not less than a chicken back home um, or not much less. Not much less. I mean, a whole chicken you can get. You can get like a six or seven pound chicken for less for about ten bucks or about so. ten bucks. Yeah, and if you want a um, what they call uh, criolla or a chicken that's not been shot up with hormones and um, been fed generally just corn is usually what people feed them. So a local person who's just you know you're you're going to be more like twelve would be your bottom bottom line number. Usually you'd be closer to twenty. Twenty, yeah. So um, that's definitely in line with prices back home. Back home. Yeah, so if meat, seafood is not super cheap, although some of it is probably cheaper than you'd pay in the States. Um, fruits and vegetables are ridiculously cheap. Yeah. Um, you know, if that's, if that's what mo- the bulk of what you're buying, you're, I mean, you're just, you know, 10 cents will get you lots of things. Right. <laughs> yeah, we, I was at the market, you know, same Sunday market. Obviously, I shop at it as well, too. I bought, I was, you know, I was kind of thinking about this topic um, throughout the week. And so I, you know, paid a little bit closer attention to what I was buying and how much it cost. So, you know, I'll buy, you know, I go and, you know, buy some potatoes. So, you know, you go and get some fresh potatoes at the market. You pay, you know, you get for a dollar maybe, you know, depending on the type of potato, three to three to five pounds of potatoes for a dollar. Right. You know, a pineapple for a dollar. You know, a big head of broccoli for seventy-five cents. I mean, if the pineapples are small, you're getting three for a dollar. Right. You know, certain things like that would be expensive back home are going to be more expensive here. Fruits like strawberries or mangoes or things like that. Even though they grow here, they're you know slightly more pricey. But you know, during mango season, you right. might you know you might get you know two for a dollar or something like that. Yeah. At least yeah. You during during mango season, you could do better than that. While while like they're you know that's that's the interesting thing is the prices really change here by what's available. Right. So if you're buying mangoes from the coast when it's not mango season, they might be four times more expensive yeah. than when you're buying them when everybody's pulling their mangoes off the tree in the local area. Right. Yeah. You might you might pay as much as two fifty three dollars for one mango during you know off season. Off season. Yeah. I mean, I think I've gotten as many even as five mangoes for a dollar when it was. When it was the height of uh, mango season, I have a friend even who, uh, <clears throat> who you know, he buys them by the box and then freezes them when it's mango season because he can get them all locally, organic and cheap, 
you know, during that time, mm. and then he uses them for you know various foods, whatever he, whatever he uses them for throughout the year when it's not mango season, when you know, ordinarily you'd have to be buying them from the coast at that time. Right, and then even you know with oranges as well too, it's like that. Big changes, because you can get oranges all year round, but off season it's like maybe eight for a dollar, and you know during the season it's you can get them for like twenty twenty five a dollar yeah. depending on yeah where even you can. even thirty yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 really I mean it's fun. You know, you 30, 30, 30 juicing oranges locally grown organic for a dollar. I mean it's just it's like it's it's hard. I mean you're, I mean it's like hard to carry the bag out. You know, and you paid a dollar. <laughs> it's really those are definitely some of the, some of the perks yeah. perks here. Bananas as well too. That's something I didn't know when I came here. Ecuador is the largest exporter of bananas in the world. Right. They produce something like. 29% of the world's, of the, you know, the bananas on the world market. Um, so, yeah, I mean, any time of year you're getting bananas very cheap. Right, and those also you have the choice, you know, of buying them from the coast or buying them locally. And that's the other thing is, you know, for oranges, bananas, lemons, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the fruits that are grown locally, nobody sprays, not because, you know, they're ideologically opposed to spraying. There's just no need. Right. The fruit just grows so well naturally. Um, you know, no, anybody that's growing oranges within an hour of Loja is not spraying them. Right. Well, because too, we're we're above the insect line. Basically, I mean, there's not there's not very many insects that are flying around at this at this altitude. True. True. Um, yeah. Getting back for a second to regions. Um, so yeah, I mean, we ended up in the mountains. We ended up in the mountains in the south. Um, for some of the natural disaster re- re- reasons that we that we spoke about, also for climate reasons, um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna you got year-round warmth here, and in terms of <clears throat> microclimate, you can find anything that you're looking for as far as year-round temperature, rainfall, humidity levels, those kinds of things. Most of the mountains are fairly you know, are not humid, even in places like Loja where it rains a good a good amount, it's not humid at all. Um, we touched on the Amazon or, you know, in the jungle, obviously it's much more humid there. And that is, that is the mountains. But, uh, as far as the Sierra, as far as what they consider the mountains, it's, it's generally not, not a humid area at all. Um, a lot of people come to Vilcabamba. I think, you know, that's an interesting town. It's a town that gets international publicity. Um, Vilcabamba is interesting because it's one of the only places in this area, in the Loja area, within a couple of hours of Loja that has an expat community. Right. So, you know, a lot of expats are there. Um, you've got internet, you know, English-speaking expats from all over the world. Um, you've got the kind of restaurants that you would expect to find anywhere else in the world in any international city. And it's a very small town. I mean, it's like something like 5,000 people. Right, there. with 500 foreigners it, or so, it, yeah, I mean, give or take. It might be, yeah, I'm not positive the number. I think it's higher than that. But, yeah, a lot, a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you've got a, for example, a great English, a great French bakery um, in Vilcabamba. You know, you, you can't find bread anywhere in Ecuador, really, that is as you would want it if you're, if you're not buying it just, for example, at the supermarket back home. If you're looking for anything above supermarket quality bread back home, it's hard to find in Ecuador. Right. Unless it's another person from France who moved here who's making bread. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Which there isn't not many of, at least in this part of Ecuador. I mean, if you're in Quito, I'm sure you could find it. If you're in Guayaquil, I'm sure you could find it. If you're in many yeah. places on the coast, in Cuenca, definitely in Cuenca. Right. Um, I mean, I was in, I went to La Tacunga once and there was a guy from Belgium. Um, a French descent who had a bakery there and 
Fred was awesome. Yeah. You know, the uh, we got we took a uh, a bus, an overnight bus, and got got to Latacunga sometime around four thirty, between four thirty and five thirty. And, and uh, my friend's dad picked us up, and we went straight to the bakery because <laughs> his wife told him, you know, he better not come home without bread. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I found in Salinas, I found world-class pizza. I mean, I, you know, I, that's something I miss from New York greatly is pizza. I mean, there's a lot of pizza places in Loja. I hope no Lojano pizza place owners are listening to this podcast in English, so I'm sure they're not. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pizza places in Loja and in Vilcabamba as well. They're all just garbage if you, if you're, uh, you know, if you're coming from Italy or New York or any place that has good pizza. You know, if there's a guy in Salinas making pizza, that would be on my top five or top ten pizza place list, you know, back home. Um, So you will find that in other places, not as much in the areas that we are because there's less foreigners. Yeah, I mean, there's we had a um, we had a group in last week, was it? Yeah, last Friday from uh, Ecuador Expats Journey. They do tours around um, around Ecuador like six times a year or something like that. And we had a. the, they asked us to speak at their at a lunch that they had, and we were answering questions about about you know what people who were just coming to Ecuador for the first time had, and, and I was explaining to them, uh, answering some of their questions about Loja. And one of the questions I got was, you know, what's the foreign community like? What's the expat community like? And really, there's none to speak of. You know, maybe the two of us have noticed an increase of maybe, you know, 100% over the last two years, which would bring, you know, the grand total up to maybe 100 Right. Potentially. Right. Yeah, so. right. And, and but, you know, that being said, one of the things, you know, we've noticed about Loja, which we expected when we came here, but one of the things we've noticed about Loja is the city's really changing. Um, you know, Absolutely. Just, just in the couple of years that we've been here, the amount of new boutique shops, restaurants, bars, clothing stores, um, et cetera, have increased a dramatic amount. Um, you know, a friend of ours who's, who's from France, you know, recently opened two restaurants in Loja. And that's just kind of indicative of the kind of changes that are taking place. I mean, there's probably 10 restaurants that have opened in the last six months that are all, they're really pretty. They're like the kind of restaurants you get in a neighborhood, um, you know, in a city back home when the neighborhood is starting to gentrify, is starting to change in that kind of way. Absolutely. Yeah, it's got all of those sort of all of those sort of signals, you know, you've got, you know, yoga studios popping up. You've got, you know, as you talked about new restaurants with new concepts, doing things differently. Um, You know, you've got, you've got the, um, you've got some new, you know, you've got some new plans to, you know, beautify the city with, you know, new, new roads and streets and, and bridges and, you know, those kinds of things. So those are all, all the kinds of signs that you see. You know, these are the ones that you kind of described to me as things that you saw in Brooklyn before you purchased your brownstones. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean, I see, I feel like, you know, having watched neighborhoods gentrify in New York, I feel like we're kind of in that same, same uh, mode here in Loja. It's, it's, uh, it's got a lot for, you know, for example, it's got a lot of what Quinca has to offer. There's some that it's certainly some that it doesn't have in terms of what Quinca has to offer, but it has a lot of what Quinca has to offer. And Quinca has a gigantic and thriving expat community. Um, as a result, prices are, are, are higher, those kinds of things. Loja is being discovered now, and it has a lot to offer in those kinds of ways. So, I mean, I think it's really, you know, if you're looking at it from an investment standpoint, I know I mentioned, you know, we've been talking about this for a couple of years, but... 
For whatever reason, in Loja, Ecuadorians don't value the land that's up above the city the same way that they value the land that's down in the city. So there's there's all this land that's up in the surrounding areas. Uh, I shouldn't say surrounding areas in the valley, but up high because Loja, you know, Loja is in a valley with mountains surrounding it. So so in that same valley, in terms of where the mountains and where Loja is, but up higher into the mountains that look down on Loja. Within the city limits, though, for the most part, um, and that land is just—it's—it's it's not valued for whatever reason by Ecuadorians the same way. But for for foreigners, it's probably the most attractive land because it's outside of the city a bit. You don't have any of the air quality issues you might deal with in the city. Not not that air quality here is bad at all, but it's it's on a, a relative basis. On a sure. relative basis, it's a valley, so you deal with a little bit of that sort of LA syndrome in terms of whatever pollution is getting pushed out hangs a bit. But, you know, your air quality here is way better than it would be in any any US city pretty much. Um, but anyways, it's so it's a little out of the city. It has the air quality, has the privacy. You can have a yard, um, those kinds of things. And that land is just really, really cheap. It's cheaper than, a lot cheaper than the land you'd pay in the city. And the land in the city itself is not particularly cheap. It's, right. it's um, you know, you're paying... For a decent lot, you know, what, what are you paying? Maybe for like a, you know, a thousand square meter lot or something in a decent part in of the city in the city. In the city, like in the downtown area, or um, you know, maybe not right downtown, but like you know, within within what Ecuadorians would consider a reasonable distance to live from downtown. Yeah, you could be paying as much as you know, two hundred dollars a square meter. Right. You know, maybe even three hundred dollars a square, right. square meter in some. So places. not not cheap. No, um, not at all. Yeah. And there's the interesting thing about Loja is there's not a whole lot of places to expand. You know, most of the most of the valley that has a large flat areas has been exploited at this point. Right. So you have to kind of, but if you go up above the city, you know, there's I mean, there's still cows uh, right. and stuff like that above the city, and you know, they're great places to build homes, great places to invest. I mean, if I had a, you know, if we weren't involved in all these other things and I had a few million dollars to play with. I would buy as much of the land in the surrounding, in the, in the mountains looking down on Loja as I could and just hold it because in the coming years, you know, it's going to rate, it's going to rise in value a lot as, as foreigners discover this city. You know, another interesting aspect of that is that there's a catalyst coming to speed that process along. They have a, the municipality has a plan to turn a lot of the existing center of the city into, into streets where you can only walk Oof. so they're trying to push all the development out oh. in those areas that you're talking about and also north towards where that lot that um that we have listed where where claudia is mm -hmm. so you know there's super maxi they have plans to build one there they're building that other large supermarket down that way so yeah all the city the development is going that way going towards those areas that you were just talking about yeah. in the not too distant future I mean, and for you know, for any investor you know listening to this to this podcast who has ideas of investing in real estate in South America, you know that's a fund we'd love to put together. If somebody wanted to put together a fund either to purchase land surrounding Loja because I think that's a great investment, and we could you know not only find it, purchase it, manage it, etc. For you, but the other you know anybody looking for arable land, if anybody was looking to put together a portfolio of arable land. This is one of the best places to do it because it's really cheap, and especially this part. And that brings me that really brings me into to another area, you know, El Oro Province, um, which we are 
looking to get into in the near future. Um, it's it's an you know Loja province is is an amazing province. There's certainly others. El Ordo might be as nice or or nicer um, than Loja province. It's a little most of it is closer to the coast yet still elevated, and the property values are not crazy there because most people who are looking for property that close to the coast are looking on the coast. So they're looking to, for banana plantations or, you know, land that they can cultivate that's on the coast because it's all flat there and that's right. what everybody does there. Shrimp farming is very Shrimp big farming. out there, cacao farming. Ecuador has some of the best cacao in the world here. Also a great business. Yeah. People are doing very well in that business. Um, Takes some time for the for, to mature, but, yeah. but people are doing very well. But El, El Oro province in terms of climate – Proximity to the coast and ability to grow is as good as you're going to find anywhere. And then also infrastructure, too, right. because it's so flat. I mean, you can drive from one end of El Oro to the other in an hour and a half or less. Right. Even even when you're not driving. <laughs> right. Right. Beautiful place. There's a town that we love called Zaruma, which I would encourage anybody to throw in Google, Google uh, photos and check out. It's really a lovely town. We're thinking about opening an office there in the near future um, to take it, you know, to help people discover some of what that play, what 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 Zaruma and surrounding area has to offer. Mm-hmm. It's a great town in the in the Amazon too, Puyo, um, which I would encourage people to check out. Well, I had a chance to drive. Uh, if you if you can pull Google Maps up, I can, you'll be oriented in what I'm saying. But I had a chance to drive from Zamora. All the way to Lago Agrio, which is so basically, you know, not all the way south, but most of the way south in the country to most of the way north in the country. It's only an hour or two hours from the Colombian border in in, uh, Lago Agrio. One of the nicest towns I drove through was Puyo. So if you're thinking about, and that's on the Amazon, that's on the jungle side. So you're, you're, you know, we discussed that a little bit earlier. So you're talking about all those characteristics, but very nice town. Um, You know, speaking of there... I had a I took a call in the office from um, from a guy I think who's here in who's here in Loja who has a big piece of land there, um, two different lots, one of twelve hectares and another of twenty four that he's thinking about doing a project on. They had come across our page on Facebook or or somewhere maybe Plus Balier or something like that, and they uh, they wanted us to go to go check it out sometime next week because they'd like to work with us in the in the selling of the property. So. I, we didn't get a chance to talk about that yet, um, but we're talking about it now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah, it's an so interesting area. It's a town I'd love to be in. It's about halfway halfway north. It, it probably, you know, I don't have a map in front of you. It's probably about halfway from south to north in terms of, uh, you know, north-south in the country. Maybe yeah, probably, like a little bit, uh, probably a little bit more than that because the guy was telling me north. that, yeah, a little further north. He was telling me that the place that he has land is in the, in the province of Napo. Right. Which I think is where Puyo is, and he was saying that it was three, three and a half hours away from Quito. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So was, we might be talking more like sixty percent to three quarters of the way up up north. Yeah. Boy, if Puyo's three and a half hours from Quito, yeah, it's. I don't know. I I don't remember it being that close, but I don't live there, so. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think um, you know. Speaking of investment ideas, something else that's I think fairly interesting too is 
we just hear from a lot of people who are looking to rent here, you know, people who are express a lot of interest in coming here to Aloha, but for, you know, one reason or the other, want to, you know, check it out before sure. they before they settle here, which sure. I think makes a lot of sense for sure. anybody who's Absolutely. considering relocating um, anywhere in Ecuador or anywhere in a foreign country, really, that you've never been. Um, we didn't do it that way, but, you know, our, our situation was a little bit different than most. But we traveled around and saw the country. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which was, you know, which was... I, you know, I, I felt that that was very beneficial. I, I think that you did too, although you didn't enjoy the trip so much. <laughs> uh, but one thing I think would be really interesting is you just don't have the quality, you know, there's not really a rental business here like, like there is back home or even in places like Cuenca, which aren't too far away. And so I think it'd be really interesting for somebody to come and, or for us to put together a fund and rehab buildings, bring them up to Western oh, yeah. standards, furnish them, and provide them, you know, as short-term or long-term rentals. I think that would be a great business. I mean, it's a great business, and the reason, you know, yeah, and you obviously touched on this, but you're, so you're talking about a place, Loja, and I, I, you're, Darnell's talking about doing that in Loja. You're yeah, talking right. about a place, Loja, that is. Um, has a rapidly increasing interest internationally, and what people are looking for internationally are furnished apartments. And outside of foreign, outside of markets where there's a lot of foreigners, uh, apartments and houses in Ecuador are rented out unfurnished. And what unfurnished means here is no refrigerator, no stove, nothing. So, um, and you know, people are coming here; they're not looking to deal with the hassles of buying a refrigerator, buying a, a stove, buying a television if they want a television, buying all of the furniture, you know, to maybe live six months or a year. Um, so, you know, absolutely, the, 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 the apartments in Loja that are up to international standards in terms of their quality and are also furnished, they rent out for very good price and very quickly. Um, so yeah, if somebody, I mean, my, and there's beautiful old like colonial, I don't know if that's the right word, but very old buildings here that are being used in uh, maybe, you know, sub substandard ways that could be purchased for reasonable prices. And, you know, just as you were saying, um, renovated or even, you know, small renovation and, you know, furnished and rented out to, to people who are coming now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that that pretty much wraps it up for this week. What um what should we? I know we've got a lot of stuff on the docket. What should we leave people with before we uh, get off this uh, podcast? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, so we've got a few new listings that we just signed. Um, we've finished the photos and videos for. We'll be on coming on the website next week. We've got a, a hotel um, in Vilcabamba, which is. Uh, number one rated hotel on on TripAdvisor. Um, they're asking 1.2 million. They're profitable, and they're profitable um, prior to having put. They, well, they've got two bars, for example, in the hotel. Both of them are closed. They've got a restaurant which is closed to the public. They have a marketing budget of zero, and they're profitable running the business that way. They've chosen to run the business that way because they're more interested in, you know, having time for themselves and family life and those kinds of things. But for somebody who wants to live in the paradise, which is Vilcabamba, and it's really, a, it's, you know, maybe the nicest climate in the world, uh, you know, year round, 72 to 82, um, and just incredible beauty. San Diego, like with water. 
San Diego with water. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't have to spray paint your grass. <laughs> For somebody, you know, who has experience in marketing or has experience in, in uh, hotel management, you could do really, really well with this hotel. Um, so that just came on, as well as a couple other properties that we'll be sending out via, via email uh, next week. Let's, uh, we, we always forget to plug ourselves, www.abequador.com. That's A as in Apple, B as in boy, Ecuador.com. We have a toll-free number, 888-999-0948. If you're in the States or in Canada, you can call us that way. Uh, you can also get a hold of us on Skype, which is on, on the website if you're calling from Europe and you want to touch base that way. Um, so yeah, so have a great, a great day, great weekend or, or week whenever you, whenever this gets published probably next week and, uh, we'll be back a week from, a week from now. All right. Take care guys.